Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Subtle Asian Talks. We're just three Asian American women ready to talk topics from current events, pop culture, and college life. I'm your host, Cece. Hi, I'm Kilo. And I'm Nell. So, for today's current events, we're going to talk about an individual named Jessica Krug, also known as Jess LaBombalera. So, this is another case of, like, blackfishing, if you will, a la Rachel Dolezal. So, to kind of tell y'all what's the story, Jessica, I'll call her Jessica from here on out. She was an associate professor whose work was focused on Africa and the African diaspora at George Washington University. And she admitted in a public, like, medium article that she was a white Jewish woman from Kansas City and falsely claimed identities such as North African, African-American, and Black Caribbean. So basically, she was teaching African-American studies this whole time, disguising as a Black woman, when in reality, she is just a regular white woman from Kansas. And she admits that her actions were unethical, immoral, anti-Black, and colonial. Yes, indeed. And that she is not only a culture vulture, but a culture leech. And she kind of excuses her actions by citing, like, mental health. And her unresolved mental health issues led her to want to fulfill identities that were different from her own, but claims it doesn't, like, anyway justify her actions. And she kind of goes forward, like, she believes in restorative justice, and she wants to right her wrongs, but she's unsure how to approach it. Because, you know, obviously there were students that looked up to her that were people of color and saw her as an inspiration and trusted her with sensitive information. And to find out that she's a white woman who didn't share their experiences is obviously a betrayal of trust and very manipulative. So it really is like a questionable situation, to say the least. And then we've kind of seen some of her peers and colleagues come out saying, like, yeah, this bitch was kind of weird. Like, she would show up at, like, a 10 a.m. meeting dressed like she was going to go to salsa, and she would just act very unprofessional. And she would, like, really approach other women of color in a very critical way. And, like, finding out that she's a white woman is really, like, well, damn, this white woman this whole time was bashing on me and critiquing me as a woman of color and my work in terms of racism. So um, there was a Twitter thread by one of her peers named Yarimar Bonilla, and like there's others as well, that have stated she would question the, the work of real women of color and kind of carried herself in a woker-than-thou manner. And in terms of like accountability, they said from like, like she should quit her job, obviously, because, you know, she built her whole career on like anti-racism and educating about the politics of the African diaspora as a black woman so obviously she deserves her job to be taken from her and to start a fellowship to fund afro-latina scholars because she disguised as one so with this whole situation i kind of have a lot of questions like you guys can look her up and i know like race is a social construct and you know not one race looks a certain way but i will say how did she convince everybody that she was a black woman because this might be, like, a questionable take, but, like, even with Rachel Dolezal, I wasn't convinced. But, like, she was more committed to the role, I would say. She would try to find the right wigs and, like, maybe I should get, like, box braids or whatever. Like, this woman probably just put on bronzer and dyed her hair black. Like, I don't, maybe a little bit of a, a dark whip. 
look and I don't know. I, if I saw this woman on the street, I would just think she's like a white woman. But because again, bronzer and hoops does not make a woman of color in my opinion. So I'm really not convinced that she was able to really get people to believe she was a woman of color. But yeah. And then it's just kind of like we've been seeing this trend of white people kind of inserting themselves in people of color spaces and masquerading as people of color and it's just like really bizarre because like I feel like you would think with how society is structured why would white people want to like in a sense give up their privilege if you want to say that in order to identify as a person of color and it's just like why would they do that especially when there's a lot of white scholars that are very much respected in the field of social justice and are doing anti-racism work, you know, such as like Jane Elliott, like a lot of her videos have been shared around lately. There's plenty of white people that are doing anti-racism work that are very respected and don't have to masquerade as people of color. And it's just like, there's this whole trend of like black fishing and people trying to pretend that they're black in order for like clout reasons or to progress in academia. So I just wanted to get your general thoughts on what's been going on in this particular situation and maybe your thoughts on other situations where people were committing an act of black fishing. Um, well, I mean, I definitely, uh, prior to, I guess, hearing about this, um, uh, my experience, I guess, viewing or seeing black fishing on social media would probably be like those cases where like, high schoolers or not or teenagers um I guess black fishing in a sense there is a lot of examples on Twitter where people are like yeah like you're technically black fishing because they show a before and after photo of like them without a tan and then them with a tan and it's clearly a huge difference um and I think that's like what I associate like black fishing also like I wouldn't consider, like, I don't know if I would consider, like, Ariana Grande black, like, she's not black fishing, but she's Latino fishing, I guess, or, like, you know, that whole um, celebrity end. Um, yeah, she wants to look spicy, right? Exactly. Um, in terms of, like, how did, you know, Jessica convince everyone? I feel like it's just because it, like, race might be a little, like, I guess, a a sensitive topic to some people and maybe they're just like oh maybe like she is but like she doesn't look it I've seen photos of her I personally didn't think she was but like maybe George Washington University just doesn't think the same way that the Bay Area people do mm-hmm. but and I get it you don't want to like be like oh I don't want to invalidate your identity I'm not gonna press it you know yeah I feel like maybe it was like a lot of like, yeah, I'm kind of suspicious of her. And it seemed like a lot of her colleagues that came out were like, yeah. I kind of knew something was off about her, but you know, I don't want to say anything. Yeah, it's but like, I feel like it's definitely a situation like this girl kind of weird, but like, I'm not I'm not trying to start any drama. Yeah, exactly. They're like, I'm just gonna stay in my lane and like, you know, figure like, you do you boo. Um, maybe that was the case. Uh, but in terms of like, I feel like I read somewhere how, like, how, what, like, why people, like, white people feel the need to, like, blackfish or, like, insert themselves into, like, POC um, safe spaces and stuff like that and masquerading them. I think it has to do with how society is slowly growing and, like, the standards for beauty and or, like, just 
the standards itself is changing that like the typical white woman isn't technically like what people want to be anymore especially like this generation I feel like now they feel that in order to stay relevant they have to do these things in order to relate and Mm -hmm. you know it's funny you bring that up like in terms of like beauty standards and it's not really something I thought about in this case particular yeah but yeah I I'm glad you brought it up because I feel like yeah these trends towards like you know in terms of like Instagram baddies and things Mm -hmm. like that you know just like a regular blonde hair blue-eyed white woman Mm -hmm. I mean that will always be the ideal but that's not really what's trendy right now Mm -hmm. I feel like what's trendy right now is this kind of racial ambiguity Mm -hmm. but here's the problem with that because I feel like it's not really the features that we admire and see as trendy on Instagram, mm-hmm. they're not seen and celebrated when they are on women of color. You know, mm-hmm. we don't celebrate black women for having the features they tend to normally have. Mm-hmm. But we tend to hold up women like the Kardashians who basically appropriate and adopt mm-hmm. features that are considered ethnic. And we value that as beautiful. Like we see a Kylie Jenner who has basically done surgeries to really like enhance her features and look more racially ambiguous. Mm -hmm. And we hold her up as the standard of beauty as opposed to like the black women and women of color she's kind of appropriating from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. Like, I definitely agree with that. And I think like in terms of this example with Jessica and Rachel, I I guess you can, we can be on first name basis with them as if we're homies. those two, I feel like because they kind of, like, you don't see women, um, especially POC women, I guess, being, um, like, professors in universities and political figures and stuff like that. So I think, like, they saw it as an opportunity to stand out and or maybe, you know, um, I guess, utilize and capitalize off of that realm or something like that because they're like yeah there's no pocs and i'm gonna i'm about to make sure that um i'm technically like i'm trying to target that group that like Mm -hmm. supports it even though i'm personally like not a poc and like that i feel like that was their thought process yeah it's very counterintuitive because like you want to give more spaces and speak for issues that people of color are facing which i think was their intention like a lot of their work was speaking about, you know, racism and mm-hmm. the experiences of the African diaspora and um, just the experiences with oppression that Black people face. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's very counteractive because you yourself as a white woman are taking the place of a, a Black woman that could have had that role as an assistant professor or a professor. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, in turn, you're inserting yourself in a space that is not yours to do the work that you shouldn't be doing and you should be able to do the work of speaking against anti-racism without having to disguise yourself as a woman of color and I feel like what it is is a lot of times white women want to center themselves in these conversations and like a lot of times I feel like white people struggle with not being the center of conversations so in order to insert themselves and center themselves in these conversations about people of color issues and in particular black issues they feel the need to disguise as a black woman Mm -hmm. in order to be able to center themselves and take up space in these um spaces of academia in the ways that they can so it's just very 
weird and manipulative. It's just like, man, like a lot of people are so privileged. They feel the need to center themselves in spaces that they shouldn't be to the point where they masquerade as the oppressed group that they're trying to speak speak for and support. It's all just very strange to me, but I kind of see where this kind of phenomenon manifests. I see where you're going with like the had good intentions initially executed it very poorly kind of idea. It reminds me of like a specific genre of men who are like, yeah, I'm a feminist. And then when like women are like, yo, yeah, this is the issues. And the men's all like, or the man's all like, no, let me, let me tell you what are the issues. I feel like that's kind of like same vibe. I think where you're intruding on a space where you're really just an ally or support or supporting person. Um, I don't know. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you should position yourself as an ally, but instead you want to disguise yourself in order to make yourself the center of the conversation, which, as she said, is very much akin to colonialism. You know, it's just like yeah. intruding on a space that isn't yours and making yourself the the main topic of it. It's just really strange. And <laughs> she, oh. oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking, I was just like, um, I saw a tweet, it was just like, white women want to be oppressed so badly. Um, and I was like, I thought of that. I was just like, oh, sorry, that was just wrong. No, 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 it does. Oh my God. It's like, a, it, it's a it's a spicy meme for sure. Yeah. Um, my question was the, I, I can't remember when I read the article, was, did she confess to it? Or it just was like, she was too much living a life of lie and she just like or she got outed or like do you know how I'm it I'm not sure what precedes it but she came out like this medium article that she published was her confessing but I'm not sure if there was like people um being suspicious of her beforehand and her having to come out or if this is kind of like this is a guilt that has been weighing on my my shoulders and I have to come out but I don't know but this article in particular is her officially coming oh, out I got you and I guess to kind of add more thought to it I feel like it's very interesting like what Nell said about oh yeah white women want to be oppressed so bad it's kind of like I think a lot of people it's really funny and it's really almost fucked up to really think about it but I think a lot of times white people and I guess in this situation white women they feel like because they've lived a privileged life that they're not interesting enough or whatever Mm -hmm. so they they take on the struggles of people of color and in particular in this situation black women in order to to seem more interesting and enriched and informed and it's like really fucked up to think about it because you think they think of it as like the experiences and struggles and oppression that black women face is just like a spicy thing you can add on to your experience to make yourself sound more interesting and it's not like a true lived struggle that people continue to face and there's real life ramifications of existing as a black woman in this society um, that she thinks she can just adopt this as like a fun, quirky feature of herself to make herself more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I think in their minds, like completely what um, Cece said, they think it's ally allyship, but like in reality, it's just them, I guess, 
pulling themselves into a conversation that you know that keeps them relevant but also you know they feel like they are helping in a sense um and I want to know whether or not or I don't know if both of you would know but do y'all think she would have apologized or like if no one called her out would she just live her life a sham like she would just continue blackfishing in a sense I really don't know I know in the case of Rachel Dolezal I think her parents outed her and posted her childhood pictures and they're like she's a white woman my daughter is a white woman and she's been disguising as a black woman this whole time so um for the case of Rachel Dolezal, she probably would have continued to exist as a black woman if she didn't get exposed. I don't really know about the case for Jessica, yeah. but maybe because of recent events, she felt the need to really confess because, you know, um, discussions around race have really been very prevalent at the moment. I mean, I believe it should be prevalent at all times, but it's mm-hmm. very much so happening in this moment that it may be weighed on her to come out about it. I really don't know the underlying circumstances that um, made her come out about this, but perhaps if people didn't pressure her, maybe she wouldn't have come out if there was pressure on her or any Mm -hmm. suspicion. There are some people though who have lived that life. Like um, I, in college, we uh, like, I watched a documentary on Corla Pondit, I think. Want to say, um, he was really interesting. That was the first time I was like mind blown that a person could change an identity so much. So, I this is a question I have for y'all. You know, how you were talking about how white women um, transition to becoming a black woman and trying to embody like, uh, like black women's struggles and stuff like that. I'm wondering how you feel about POC transferring to another POC because. That's kind of what happened where um, he just happened to be a light-skinned African-American man and to increase his music career as like, it was, okay, this person like existed in the 20th century, like early 20s. Um, He really was like a, like was in Hollywood and like in that showbiz or like that music biz, like 1940s. So, you know, POC, I feel like for everyone is pretty bad. But I think especially for African-American individuals, they faced a great struggle. So um, Corla, a.k.a. John Roland Red, um, pursued being an Indian man and just like led a life of that and even like had children and informed them of that, of their heritage from India and stuff like that. They never really knew until after he died that what was the what was the truth like what was his um ethnicity or his original his origins mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting so what what do you what are y'all's take on POC adapting mm-hmm. another POC I think it's definitely a different situation but I feel like it's still questionable but um I guess in the case of like when we talk about Rachel Dolezal and Jessica Krug it's different because they're white people masquerading as people of color so I feel like there's more weight to that and there's more harm than if it's another person of color pretending to be a different type of person of color if that makes sense because um you said this individual was African-American and pretended to be Indian Mm -hmm. okay so I feel like it's like it was a different time and I don't want to like 
use that to justify everything. But um, oppression towards, like, Black Americans was especially bad in the 20s. So I could understand why a Black person would want to masquerade as an Indian person. Because I feel like, you know, as, like, Asians, they face a little bit less severe violence in terms of, like, their race than Mm -hmm. others. So they would feel like, this is a way for me to feel safer than if I were to live as a Black man. So I feel like that's more of a defense and protective approach because of, like, oh, he's a Black person disguising as an Indian person. Whereas, like, as a white woman, you're already protected and you're not going to worry about facing racism. And if you disguise as a, a woman of color, that's very offensive and potentially dangerous towards other women of color if you do that because you're taking up spaces that women of color should occupy Mm -hmm. so I feel like it's very much a different scenario I feel like it's more of a case of survival and trying to live in the best possible way you can versus a white woman adopting the struggles of a black woman for the advancement of their careers that's true I agree Mm -hmm. I think completely what Cece said was very I guess a good way to summarize what I would think because like as Cece said um, black people in the past faced more oppression than Asians Um, but I personally do I think in, in I guess to play devil's advocate I feel like just any type of race fishing if I can coin that term I don't even, I don't even know if race fishing is a coin term or anything but like basically just catfishing as a different race um I just think like it's kind of it's not I don't personally think that you know they should be doing that in general just because it's it's like oh especially in the 21st century like there's really no not much of an excuse at that point um, maybe people are going through a lot like on their own personal type like I guess personal life and stuff like that but I feel like in general if you're going like if you're I guess race catfishing as a different race I feel like that's just a little you know out of pocket for a lot of people whether or not you're catfishing and or black fishing race fishing catfishing as another poc from one poc to another poc i feel like that's just like i don't know um it's just a lot and i don't personally think like it's okay either way in a sense like Mm -hmm. especially like a white woman like catfishing as a, a poc but like to be devil's advocate i don't think it's okay for a poc to catfish as a POC as well. Um, I know there's a lot, the spectrum for that and the reasons behind, like, why they do that may be vastly different, um, especially, like, with POC going from one POC to another POC. There's a lot of his- historical, like, reasoning and stuff like that. But I feel like and now, if, like, let's say someone was catfishing as a different race in, like, 21st century, I kind of think that's, like, you know, I I feel like people should call people out for that just because that's kind of unnecessary and kind of really like, I guess, appropriating someone else's culture. And, you know, with 
that being said, um, in terms of, is his name Coral? His name is uh, Corla. Corla, yeah. Um, with Corla, I feel like he used his, he used his, I guess, catfishing. He catfished to gain, like, stuff cap, like, he made capital gain from it, in a sense, because he knew the rap scene for Asians or, like, Indians is, like, really... I guess open compared to like if he were to be a rapper like a black rapper wait what time period was this uh, this uh, uh I think he was aiming for like jazz or like yeah because I was like this was the 1920s before oh, that yeah like 40s I believe oh, yeah I was that I, I didn't know I thought this was recent I was like oh I mean yeah so I was like oh I thought it was the 1920s which is like I feel like that's why it's more justifiable because the oppression legally was more severe okay i was kind of like oh yeah this was like the 1920s right because like obviously i believe if you um masquerade as another race now it's very disrespectful to the individual's culture to do so in modern context but i believe in like past context it's more justifiable especially when there's been multiple cases of people that are um black or mixed race with black Mm -hmm. they might like hide their mixed identity and um, live as a white person because you know it it would be easier to live their life as a white individual and not be treated as a mixed race individual. Yeah. So, I think that yeah, now- that's just kind of like oh, given the the historical context of the time. Yeah. I give them more um, a leeway. More, yeah, more leeway, and um, given modern context, I would be more critical of them if they appropriated another culture that wasn't their own. Yeah, okay, so we're on the same page. I think it's funny because this is this kind of thing happens a lot with like I don't want to say Hoppa, but like, you know, mixed race children. Um, especially like celebrities, you know what I mean? Um this is very common in the K pop scene. I, I am a Korea boo. Uh, I used to be a Korea boo, um, for our listeners out there. Uh but it's very common. There's this one rapper um on in Korea that is half Korean half black and Yumi Ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you know yeah, Yumi Ray. Um and definitely I feel like she uses that to her advantage because like there's not a lot of black like rappers in the K pop scene and stuff like that. And like she can rap in English and Korean. So like I in that aspect I feel like, you know, sometimes people would want to, I guess capitalize that side of their racial identity or like use it to their advantage you know what I mean um there's also rappers here in America that do that but like I feel like in other countries it's more prevalent to question do you think it's hard capitalizing on it or it's like I mean, she's just a mixed race woman and, yeah. you know, he is both black and Korean. So if anything, I believe she has more space to occupy in the realm of hip hop anyway. And I do have critiques on the appropriation of hip hop in K-pop as a whole. Yeah. A lot of times there is an appropriation of American hip hop, which was invented by black Americans. Yeah. That K-pop doesn't necessarily pay respect to mm-hmm. so, so do you think an individual as herself is capitalizing on her mixed race identity no because i definitely i think yumi ray is great like yeah so i, I was just like i personally to, to, think to clarify what you're saying yeah I, was like, I don't necessarily think she's capitalizing on it it's just like she is both 
black and korean yeah and that is just the experience she has and she has the uh, ability to celebrate both aspects of her heritage in a way that's not capitalistic yeah i mean i feel like capitalistic was a bad word choice in terms of that like i definitely think like you know i personally i love her rap her and her husband are definitely the cutest couple i've ever seen in my personal opinion in the k-pop realm um because he's so whipped on her it's ridiculous um that's besides the point though (laughs) Um, wait wait what oh sorry go ahead oh i just wanted like i feel like in terms of that i know the whole k-pop scene is just very like you know it's there's a lot to talk about with like k hip hop and like appropriating black culture and you know the rap scene there is just ridiculous um because if anyone has ever watched like unpretty rap star there was this one controversial girl that claimed she wanted to she was half black but she wasn't and she was she was like black fishing ultimately um if y'all don't haven't checked it out it's like season two of unpretty rap star it was very very cool um but like i feel like in that aspect it's like um i think yumi ray definitely paved a good way for you know mixed um entertainers to pursue you know that scene and i'd rather have yumi ray do i guess rap instead of you know jay park and stuff like that. I got you. It on um, a thought popped into my head about um, while we we're talking about this on black fishing, and like I was trying to think of a word that was opposite of it, and that would be white passing, right? Would you mm-hmm. would you say? And I think when I, the more I thought about, it, the more I thought like black fishing in itself is negative connotation, but white passing if you only had to juxtapose those two would have a positive connotation in my mind. And I think that at least for me, or I know a lot of um, other Asian individuals try to get lighter skin, right? Try to get that, that white look. And we really need to, I don't know how we can do this, but we need to remove that stigma that having that wider look is better and having white passing as a positive thing where I think, just as much as black fishing is bad, trying to like be like white passing is is kind of similar to saying white fishing, and that is also not as like living your true self or mm-hmm. living as your like identity as mm-hmm. you grew up in. Like I understand having the privileges associated with being white, but I don't know. I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that. It's kind of like. I had just a big brain moment and I was like, whoa, that's, that's a, that's a topic itself. Yeah. I definitely see where you're coming from. Cause I feel like it's different because again, with the power dynamics. So I feel like try white passing or attempting to assimilate to white culture is a different experience than the reverse role of that. Um, and I, I have more sympathy towards people that try to assimilate to white culture and white standards more so than the reverse way just Mm -hmm. because of the power dynamics in place um i don't agree with it i believe um you know it's more powerful to be proud of your identity and be proud of your heritage and Mm -hmm. embrace that and actively work towards seeking more rights and better conditions for the people that you are a member of culturally 
and I, I see more power in that. But also I am more sympathetic to people who may feel the need to meet white standards in order to maybe gain social capital in a sense. Like I don't agree with it, but I see it. And for me, it's more of a sad thing than for me to be frustrated about. So I think for me, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be annoyed at the Rachel Dolezals and Jessica Krugs of the world. And I feel a little bit more like sad when I see like people of color feeling the need to adapt to whiteness in order to gain more social capital. So I, I don't, I don't think it's right, but I, I, I sympathize more with that perspective. I got you. Like, I remember when I was younger, I was like, dude, I wish I was a different race because, you know, genetics would have been totally different. Everything would have been a whole different ball game. But like now, if you ask me, I'd be like, I'm pretty proud of who I am. I don't I don't see the need to change. But mm-hmm. I think that's a growth process. Everything everyone would need to go to that just to feel comfortable in their own skin mm-hmm. and not try to alter their freaking skin pigmentation. Yeah. I can kind of society, and I do want to have conversations going forward of like, as like Asian American people, like we have to be like, we have to confront different standards, like Asian beauty standards as well as Western beauty standards. And I want to talk about that more, but probably in another episode. But I can relate to what you're saying. I feel like mine wasn't really from, really a a point of really recognizing race, but I can kind of see that because for me, I was like, oh, I just have like brown hair and black like and black hair and all of that like oh I'm boring why can't I be like cool and have like blue green eyes that's more colorful and fun right so I would have that mentality because I feel like I went to a school that like didn't have as many Asians compared to like most areas of the Bay Area so I would see that I'm like that's cool they have like different color hair but I just have uh, dark hair and brown eyes that's not fun so I would kind of like feel bad about it but I feel like it wasn't from a racial perspective. It was just me being like a dumb kid and be like, anime characters have like different fun characters <laughs> like in terms of like hair color and eye color. Why can't I be like that? I'm just like dark hair. <laughs> um, but that was more from like an immature perspective. And I'm very much like proud of being like an Asian American and, you know, fully uh, accept my features and all of that. And I really don't see the need to really aspire towards white beauty standards you know now I, I feel you what about you now how did you have a a journey with um I don't know getting comfortable with your own skin um I guess you can say yeah I feel like every per, like POC does have that stage in their life where they're like I wish like they feel kind I don't know about y'all but like when I was little not little but like when I was like growing up like maybe like mid middle school or like maybe early elementary school I kind of was embarrassed to be like Chinese and stuff like that because one like people would say so like being Cantonese people were like wow like why are y'all always yelling and stuff like that but like that's just how we speak in general um and people would like make fun of you not really make fun of you but like kind of be like oh like like you're Chinese like that's interesting like ching tong ling long like that was a thing and it kind of made me question like oh like what if I was a different race um and I was scared like I wasn't scared but like speaking Chinese was kind of like you know a thing that I didn't really want to accept when I was little just because I was like why did I have to speak Chinese why can't my parents speak English but as I grew up I learned to appreciate and I feel like a lot of um, 
ABCs, as they say, they end up growing up and they start appreciating their culture more. And like, I will say, like, I'm very proud to be Chinese now. Like, I feel like that made me who I am today. And I'm really proud that like, I'm able to speak Chinese um, in a proficient manner, I would say, like, enough to like converse with people and it's seeing like people not being like seeing other people just kind of lose their sense of like you know um culture in a sense um is it it makes me appreciate that like I grew up doing the things that I did and learning the things that I do um and being able to like communicate and like know more about my culture but I did have that like rambunctious phase where I was like, I want to be white. Why am I, why is my name um, Nell and stuff like that? Why can't I be, why can't I be a Susan or Jessica or something like that? So that was like an identity crisis, I would say. So yeah, I, I don't know what to say realistically. Like I grew up in a very like diverse, like POC community and like white people were very ex- I don't want I I hate saying exotic but like they're rare in my school districts so like if you're a white person um everyone was looking at you and like being asian everyone's like yo like you you the same as everyone else <laughs> um so i kind of wanted like that like like you know i wanted to be um como se dice uh albino uh when i was younger i guess i got you yeah yeah that's that's my life story proud to be an abc abc's represent if any listeners are abc thank you for sharing yeah i feel like to kind of conclude this i think it's very important to see our perspectives and our culture growing up and our experiences like that are authentic those can't be mimicked you know you can't be a white person and mimic these experiences because you don't have that lived in experience of maybe feeling ashamed of who you are and maybe having to feel pressured to assimilate to a mainstream white American culture so I feel like when we see these things with like the Rachel Dolezals and uh, Jessica Krugs it's just like it's really hurtful to see people try to adopt struggles of people of color, particularly Black individuals, when they'll never truly know what it feels like to live and exist as that type of person and to really know the struggles. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's just important for people to, like, own up to who they are and embrace their roots and just exist as who they are authentically and use our platforms and our own perspectives to be allies to other people rather than feeling the need to masquerade as somebody else in order to take on the role of an ally and to advocate for other people. So I think at the end of the day, it's just like, be you. You can find ways to be allies without having to insert yourself in spaces that aren't yours is really what I have to say about that. Matt snaps, Cece. That was a great, succinct um, way of putting it and a good way of yeah I agree that was that was beautifully put um and I appreciate that you know be proud for um your ethnicity um and you know you'll get by if you're younger if you're feeling these type of ways everyone felt that when you're younger I feel like and you'll learn to appreciate it eventually I guess hopefully
It is, it is quite a journey. But um, are you ready to segue on over to a yours truly Reddit thread? Yes. yes. Let's go. All right. So I have a interesting one where the mom is on Reddit and asking if forcing her vegan daughter is, is she the asshole for forcing her vegan daughter to cook meat? Now, um, her daughter is around 16 years old and um, has been vegan for about a year. And, um, you know, the typical family dynamic, she has a husband or, you know, there's a father, there's mother, and then there's another brother slash son in 14, um, as a 14 year old. And the family as a whole doesn't eat meat typically. And so it's not too hard to accommodate her needs. So whenever they do cook meat, they will cook like another dish and then do a, uh, what do you call it? Like a meat dish. And Mm -hmm. from there, uh, it it wasn't a problem then, right? But from there, what occurred was that she would, um, she made this rather large, big pot of chili and another small one for her. But that was one night and no one, uh, and she was totally, the daughter was totally cool with it. But once she, uh, the next day, she, the mom went to the refrigerator, try finding the big pot of chili, but the daughter had threw it out and she felt that the smell was too much and she couldn't take it. So without puking because of the meat smell. So she, she left and, um, or she, she didn't leave. Sorry. She, what do you call it? She, uh, just threw it out. And the, obviously the mom was furious because, you know, a lot of time goes into making chili, a lot of uh, materials as well. So what happened as a punishment was that the mom would, she made her cook another batch of chili, the same exact recipe, nothing changed. And she was throwing, a, the daughter was throwing a fit. She was saying, this is like unethical, stuff like that. Um, and she was starting to cry about how awful it was, how disgusting that she had to buy the meat and like cook it and do everything from start to finish. And the mom is wondering if she went too far with this punishment or she, should he have, should she have picked a different punishment for wasting food that she took time to make for the family? Um, what do you, what do y'all think? I mean, Susie, you want to go first? Oh, you want me to go first? As the, <laughs> as the closest to vegan as, um, you know, what's your standpoint as a pescatarian, as they say? I mean, I'm not a pescatarian. I'm plant-based just... food. Plant-based. I'm not even plant-based. I feel like you very much exaggerate my extent to which I do not eat meat. But in, in my book, you're a pescatarian slash plant-based person. But I had, I had chicken with you for dinner. Don't tell Peter that. But anyway, um, yes, I do try to eat more plant-based than I would say the average person does. Um, mostly for environmental reasons, but that's just kind of to let y'all know my perspective on that. I think that, yes, it was kind of very much wasteful for the daughter to throw out food, especially for other members of the family to eat. So she was definitely in the wrong for throwing the food out. But I do think maybe the mother's punishment is overstepping not in the sense of making her cook food i think maybe like making the daughter prepare her own meals for like an extended period of time maybe would have been a better solution than to make Mm -hmm. her cook the full recipe with meat um i'm not really sure the daughter's reasons for being vegan or plant-based 
um, because, you know, there's a multitude of reasons why people would do so. So whether it's for environmental reasons, for health reasons, for ethical reasons, but to really make her do so, especially if it's for like ethical reasons and for animal rights reasons, I feel like it's very, it's a lot to make a vegan person do that. Some vegan people have no problem and they, they cook um, full meals with meat for their family all the time and it's not really something that bothers them. But for people that are more ethical vegans, I feel like it, it is kind of a cruel thing to make them do because um, from that philosophy, they view animal life as essentially the same as human life. And to really make them basically cook like the flesh of an animal when to them it's morally wrong to do so is a lot. So I don't really know if that punishment was quite justified. But I do think there's some type of consequence for her wasting food. I, I feel that. I mean, coming from a, I guess, carnivore perspective, um, I think the mom did know nothing wrong with making her daughter um, buy and cook the meal because if you want it, like, you 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 basically wasted food and like what do you what did you expect the outcome to be like you wasted food for not only the mom but also for the whole family and I get like you know she's vegan and like you know maybe her beliefs like she wants her parents to like try her try their best to like accommodate to her lifestyle and such but I feel like because she wanted to you know be a child and throw away food and be wasteful that's that's like i don't know the like i think that like because she threw it out then she should be the one that should cook it again and like you know face the repercussions of wasting food and so be it like you're taking money from her i don't know weekly allowance to buy chili stuff um okay. like you know that's that's her that's the price that she has to pay like what do you expect i don't know i can't imagine another punishment to kind of accommodate to what she did maybe like in the future make her cook her own meals after she redoes the chili like after she recooks the chili that would have been like a better like solution to what was the problem here but like you know what I'm trying to say? I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I feel like the mom is in the right for this, and I would have done what she she would have done, because if you're trying to waste food, then, like, you're going to face the repercussions. You break it, then you got you to gotta fix it. That's actually... I disagree a little bit, because I feel like... Um... Yes, I believe they're like the child should have punishments for wasting food, but people have like different sets of morals. Mm-hmm. So, in order to force her daughter to compromise her morals, is that justified? In, in my like, is, that's what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Is that justified to make her child um, compromise her morals and values in order for a punishment? I mean, it like I completely see where you're coming from, and like. I'm just trying to see, like, in the perspective, because the first chili batch, like, the, like, the fact that she wasted the chicken, what, what meat was it? I don't even know, pork? 
I mean, it's not important. Okay, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Basically, because she poured out whatever meat was in the chili the first time, she has to go buy and support the whole, like, meat industry again. You know what I mean? Like, that would it that's that's kind of like the cycle that she caused in a sense um but they didn't have to do that cycle they didn't have to make her buy that again what what are they gonna eat for dinner they could make something else i mean i guess because like isn't it more of a poetic punishment in a sense to make her make the same exact recipe that she threw out they don't have to do that necessarily what if they had a meatless monday dinner and they made her make that what but but i mean like then she's just gonna be like oh i like i don't know i'm trying to think about it like in a perspective of like she's how old is she she's 16 right yeah yeah i don't know i'm thinking of like you know these teenagers out here kind of out of pocket so like you know i don't know i'm thinking oh sorry because i think you can be a parent and discipline your children Without making them, without without making them compromise their individual morals, because I feel like if I were a parent, you know, if my child had maybe different values and morals and wanted to live their lives maybe differently from how I I would, um, I would want to try to encourage that and not make them compromise the things that are important to them, because I feel like especially as a child, a lot of the things that are important to you tend to be seen as largely unimportant and frivolous to your parents and to adults and I don't really want to contribute to that so it's like I believe yes she should have a punishment for wasting food but do I believe that she should be forced to cook meat when she is ethically opposed to that I don't know I mean I think if she was ethically yeah it's unclear if she had moral standing or she just was like, ah, I'm going to try going vegan for, I don't know, health reasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, if it was moral, because we, we don't know, I feel like, yeah, it is a it is a grave punishment and very poetic in that sense. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for moral reasons that she wanted to be vegan, I don't see too much of a problem. Although I agree that um, if the punishment just seems very largely harsh, I feel like, you know, making money like or doing chores for money and see how much it goes into like creating a, a huge pot of chili. So then you had, and then, you know, the mom could buy it and then see what kind of work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. I think that might be important or just make a smaller version of that chili to see the same kind of deal instead of that much meat. Cause like, you know, like five ounces of meat versus like 10 ounces of meat, there's definitely going to be a smell difference. And I think, Sometimes people are really sensitive to smell, despite my nose being like, I can't smell for shit. But I, I feel, I feel that for the daughter, if she just felt like I need to get this out, but she should have asked, like told someone, Hey, you got to tell her where this or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking of the perspective, like, Oh, like I definitely agree with what Kilo said. If it's morally like, there is a line between there and you don't want to like make your child uncomfortable and like all that stuff but I think like how I'm interpreting the reddit post was that she was like this nasty I'm gonna throw it out so like I don't know I kind of interpret it as she didn't like she wanted things to go her way and like she was like oh this is disgusting like why is my family like eating meat it smells gross I'm gonna throw it out you know what I mean I'm 
I'm thinking from a 16 year old's perspective, maybe that was like, I don't know what's her thought process. I don't, I, I interpreted it as like, you know, she felt a little like, I guess, I don't want to say entitled, but like, she was like, yeah, I'm just going to throw it out because it disgusts me. And, you know, she just didn't want to see it in her face. Here's my thing. I'm against her action of wasting the food. My thing is about the punishment and whether making her compromise her morals is okay. Oh, I mean... Because, like, I think we can all agree wasting food is wrong. It's just forcing her to make the dish with meat when it could be something that is morally objectionable to her, if that's okay to do. Honestly, if I'm giving her allowance, I'm just going to take her allowance. The hot Cheeto funds can wait. Yeah, see, so I would see, like, oh, hey, uh, I would make you do chores and whatever worth is worth your allowance for making dinner, I'm taking yeah. out. Or something like that. Or, like, oh, making her make her own meals for a certain amount of time and having to fund that from her allowance money or however they want to do it. I just believe there is alternative consequences than making her remake the same exact meal again when she is a vegan and maybe morally against that. I mean... I don't eat, I mean, I'm over here just like, yeah, chili ain't the best. Why would you want two rounds of that anyway? Um, <laughs> no. Like, honestly, though, I don't personally, I, I, I'm just, first of all, like, I personally would not eat chili. And, like, for me, maybe it's, like, the fact that, like, you know, she was, like, the parent just wanted to teach their child to respect other people's boundaries in a sense but also like the mom was kind of out of pocket because if the smell bothered the daughter then cooking it would be even worse and that's kind of cruel but I don't know honestly I really don't know I'm, I'm conflicted about this because I'm over here just like man like this the fact that she's 16 year old 16 years old I'm like mm, like you know I feel like you know, the punishment's okay but then also I'm just like mm, like her morals but then I'm also just like it's chilly so like I really don't know a good um punishment for this because mm-hmm. I feel like at 16 years old I think you start to like figure yourself out or are trying to figure yourself out so I feel like at that age I mean I feel like at any age I feel like you as a parent should respect maybe the beliefs of your child and what they hold to be important because you don't want to trivialize what they what's important to them because I feel like that's harmful as a parent to do so so I believe that there could be a punishment that doesn't have to do with her cooking it that would make her understand that wasting food takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money I I think there's other ways to make her understand that I agree um largely so on reddit it was deemed as or she was deemed the mother was deemed as not the asshole there were hands full of everyone sucks here and there was one you're the asshole and it's for the reasons that we were talking about earlier it's just some of you know how Reddit sometimes has like a, a hive mind? Mm-hmm. One of Reddit's things is hating on vegans. So some people pointed out that, oh, Reddit's just out to get vegans. That was one thing. And it could be true that like, you know, vegans vegans have a rap or a, a rap of like, you know, 
pointing out I'm vegan I can't do this or this I'm like kind of that elitist kind of feel and I think redditors are like not about that but at the same time it is I can see how everyone does suck here or strictly you're the asshole because you are in the end of the day a parent and you are trying to teach your child um what is right or what should be right and what should be wrong ethic morally um I don't know just trying to go about you're just trying to create healthy boundaries trying to um get the child to understand more about what it's like mm-hmm. I think there's gray areas in the asshole like the assholery that was committed because like yes the daughter throwing out the food that's an asshole move but also making her make the food that she thought was like the smell she couldn't bear and making her yeah. eat it when she's a vegan is also kind of cruel in my opinion and yes I do think reddit does have a hate for vegans and I understand because vegans get a bad rap of always having to bring up that they're vegan and making it a personality trait and kind of holding a holier than thou um perspective and attitude but I do sympathize towards vegans because like if you think about it they're kind of right there's like there's like complexities to it and you know um being able to be vegan is a privilege but if you think about it like the the meat and dairy industry does like have a a large role in like the emissions and is harmful to the environment so if everybody does eat more plant-based it is better for the environment as a whole so they're not wrong in that aspect but yeah I will admit some of them are real annoying but there's also really some great vegans just to be a little vegan defender here there's a lot of um great vegan influencers and youtubers that put out great info that doesn't come across as preachy so i'm like sympathetic any vegans out there i i see you you know yeah you're not all of you are like the preachy annoying kind facts i agree i mean i also agree i guess um yeah i think the vegan community is an interesting community to me um, I give y'all a lot of props because I know that I'm trying to lower my meat consumption, but it's hard, especially, you know, coming from a background of eating meat a lot. And, you know, my family cooks meat as the daily source of protein ever since I was born out of the womb. Um, so I think, you know, I'm trying to be less of a meat eater but it's hard for me personally um but yeah carbon carbon emission from the meat industry is very very bad and the way they treat their animals is very very bad too but yeah there's also shrimp shrimp uh what is it called i guess um epidemic like not epidemic but like shortage no no it's the shrimp is toxic like something about the tides in the water is increasing or decreasing the ph of the uh the water inside the ocean water and like the mercury levels with the fish yeah similar to that so don't eat shrimp this is my psa yeah but as somebody who comes from a buddhist background i guess eating vegetarian and i guess learning to value animal life is a little bit more ingrained in my upbringing so i guess it's something that's more easy, easier for me to comply to, and I can um, sympathize more with the vegan lifestyle more. So maybe that's 
where my perspective comes from, mm-hmm. even though I'm not entirely vegan. I got you. It what was good you? to get different perspectives. Sorry. Oh, I was going to ask, what about you, Kilo? What, what spectrum are you on? On if the person is an asshole or not? Um, I mean, the meat eating or, or vegan spectrum. Oh, like how I feel about vegans? Yeah, and then would you categorize yourself as, like, the in-between, like, CC? Or would you consider yourself leaning towards the meat consumers? Um, I would have to say vegans, mad mad props, because many times when I just try to cleanse, do that New Year's resolution thing, I try to go vegan a little, never works out, because for some reason my gut is like, nah, this is not working out. I think it's a fiber explosion, y'all. It's crazy. <laughs> I agree. And at any rate, I would consider myself <laughs> not hardcore a meat eater, but if you threw me at carrying barbecue and it's all you can eat, you best believe I'm going to be there for the money's worth. I'm sorry. But I, I steer clear of like pork and seafood. That's not typically my thing. I just primarily eat that um, chicken and beef really? lifestyle. I don't eat beef. Like yeah, I don't red meat that much. Red meat is definitely not my favorite. I personally like like chicken breasts and like just pork in general. I like chicken and fish more. Mm-hmm. I only like if it's, if, if it's in the form of like a burger or something. Mm. I do like too. tofu a lot. Like I feel like if I have a lifetime supply of tofu, but tofu is also really bad for the environment as well. I mean, it's lower than meat. Yeah, but it's not. It's not exactly 100% green either, but neither is really any food production industry. Yeah. That's so true. We're out here, I mean, struggling. Um, maybe have our own farm. Tofu farm. <laughs> I really want to try the Impossible Burger. Like, apparently, that is, like, a, deemed as one of the closest things to a real burger, but it's not meat. And I, I think that's it. really interesting. Oh, what, what is your opinion? I would say it's pretty convincing, but also, like, I'm a person that kind of sometimes likes the fake meat alternatives better than the real thing, so I don't know if I'm a good person to ask. I got you. I've had it at lunch um, at work, because then we have, like, catered food and stuff like that. Um, It was okay. Like, it was okay just because it is takeout, kind of, so it was, like, it tasted like you left a burger. I mean, all the burgers tasted like you left a burger, um in a container for like five minutes, 10 minutes, which is what happens because it's takeout food. But mm. it wasn't bad. I personally think it tastes like meat. Um, it did have that red, like, I guess, bloody texture that people like. I don't particularly like raw meat. Um, so She's a well done kind of gal. Yeah, I'm a well done type of person. Um, medium rare scares me because if it's red, I think it's not cooked all the way. And then that just leads to like, you know, a lot of bacteria or something. Yeah. I, I, I like it well done, but yeah, it does have that like red bloody feel, um, which I don't particularly like, but the flavor is there. I will say. Like I wouldn't question it if you gave it to me and said it was a burger. Yeah. Well, impossible burger. If y'all can sponsor us, I could get to taste Truly, if possible, beyond whichever, just hit us up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hello anyway, fresh. 
HelloFresh, we're still we're still having y'all. If you can come at us, we'll be internally grateful, especially during this pandemic. Yeah. We're we're college students. We're working young professionals um and college students. So like we are your target audience, HelloFresh. On that grind. On that grind. Uh, anyway, are we ready to jump to to you now? Oh, okay. I mean, we're gonna jump on to what um, Nell is going to talk about today because she always talks about random things during her segment. Um, but I got another dating type of, I guess, segment for everyone today. Maybe I'm just going to turn this into a dating segment or like dating and culture, as Kilo said. This is going to be my brand, dating and culture. Like lifestyle, maybe. Like, like lifestyle, opinions, thoughts, maybe some therapy sessions along the way. We'll see how <laughs> I'm taking it um, one step at a time, but bear with me. So I found something on subtle Asian dating that something on subtle Asian dating that like really caught my eye because one, people are still dating and hooking up during this pandemic. Um, I already have questions about that, um, but that's besides the point. But basically this post talks about how the, um, it talks about COVID testing and when you're meeting up with said date or meeting up with anyone, um, should people be expected to take COVID tests? And so the post starts off saying how um, this girl has been seeing this guy for a, a while now. They have met up and socially distanced dated where they were in an out and open area and they would, you know, converse and stay within the boundaries of social distancing but then now they're trying to I guess meet up at someone's house and the girl wanted the guy to get tested because if they're going to be indoors it's better safe to know that both of them are negative than to risk it but one of the things that the guy pointed out was that he if he had the choice he wouldn't go get tested and his excuse was that he didn't need to get tested because one like he doesn't think he has covid but also two he wants he thinks that he should you like not utilize the services um that could be used for other people that need it um which i mean i guess like you know that's a that's a way to put um an excuse on getting tested for covid and i i thought this was really interesting because I feel like, you know, people think that when you're like, people think getting COVID tested is such a chore when in actuality, I think everyone should get tested personally for me. Like, even if you've been social distancing um, at home or anything, um, it's better just to make sure because, you know, some people are asymptomatic and or, you know, there's other factors with COVID. It's a very, very, um, I guess, unpredictable virus. So, like, it's better safe than, than sorry. And I think it's just, I think it was really interesting that this guy kind of thought, like, he should be a, above getting tested because, you know, he, he, he says he doesn't have COVID and that, you know, um, he... Do you think he's above it or he legitimately doesn't think he has it? I mean, I just to play devil's advocate for the guy. 
okay, but he he his excuse was I don't think I have it, so I'm gonna save that resource of good getting COVID tests to other people because his excuse was COVID tests are expensive which I personally think like yeah I mean I guess they are expensive but there are tons of free COVID testing sites all around um I would say the Bay Area if this person is in the Bay Area I don't know where they're from to be honest I don't know what's the protocol for like outside of the Bay Area maybe it's harder to get tested or something like that and maybe it's not free it's not a free resource um but I feel like it is essential to take COVID tests. And I feel like he feels as if, you know, he doesn't need to take it. And I think that's like, I don't know if it's him thinking he's above it, but like, say, you know, you're a person that has been like working from home and going to class from home. So you think you're pretty low exposure. um, And you feel like, oh, your test would be better put to use for say an essential worker. And depending on whatever region you're from, testing is not as easily accessible mm-hmm. so like i'm trying i'm trying to see it from that perspective whereas not him thinking he's above testing because i don't think anybody's above being able to get the virus it's just more like assessing risk level if you i will. mean basically the girl said that he said that getting tested for covid is unreasonable that's point blank of what he said I don't oh, like period like like even period. if you're like in contact with someone that had COVID you shouldn't get it if you're feeling okay I feel like I'm interpreting as he they getting feeling obligated to get tested is not necessary you know what I mean mm. so I I interpret it as this guy like you know he said that he'll get tested if she feels uncomfortable but like I don't think that should be the case I think he should like you know worry about himself because COVID um but like I don't know I just feel like this whole like thing like this chat is just eye-opening to me that like I don't know this guy really thinks like oh like I don't need to get tested um and you know maybe there's a situation like he might have difficulty accessing free COVID test samples or or testing sites and stuff like that but like I still feel like you know having that safety precaution and like just reassurance is necessary and I like I think using the I don't want to say excuse but using the statement that COVID tests should be used for other people that need it is a sorry excuse for I don't want to get tested in general because I think like okay like for me when you get tested you have that reassurance and even though if you get tested you're still likely to like contract it right after like I'm not saying like you know you you get tested and you're fine whatever but having that like reassurance in a sense um not only enlightens yourself those around you but also, like, in general, getting tested sh- is, isn't is as expensive as a lot of people interpret. Yeah, but okay. my question is, it's more of a risk assessment than, like, not wanting to get tested. Because, like, in certain regions, like, testing availability is scarce or expensive. So people would rather prioritize testing for those that are essential workers and those that are at more high risk exposure. 
So what if it's like a situation like that? Because I agree if the girl is very strong about him getting tested before meeting up, I believe it's completely justified for her to feel that and want to feel safe in that way. But from the guy's perspective, I'm not saying he shouldn't get tested, but like, what if that's like the situation where it's like testing is scarce, it's better to prioritize essential workers and he's been at pretty low exposure working from home or taking class from home whatever his situation is Mm -hmm. well I mean as you like I don't want to expose myself here I don't know if I'm exposing myself but like for me um working at a COVID testing I guess environment it is a I guess you not use utilizing the you use it utilizing the service of getting COVID tests does not decrease the chances of a healthcare profession get like getting tested. Like whether or not you get tested, the healthcare professions are. I'm not talking about healthcare. I'm talking about like essential workers. People essential that, workers. Like, they're the already, grocery store. They're already like I mean, there's protocols already set in place. Yeah, because like not all essential workers are provided with testing yeah but like i still feel like you know even if they go to the free testing sites you're not you're not like utilizing services that you're you're not putting the services at risk for like being scarce in that aspect if all the essential workers went to like i don't know a testing site in um let's say uh palo alto palo alto or something like that like palo alto has a bunch of different like testing site regions that like you can go to and they're gonna supply you even yeah but i'm talking about like in areas that might not have them as readily available like i'm i'm gonna think like wisconsin i'm pretty because i'm like oh in the bay area it's pretty widely available right but there's certain parts of the country that just don't have them available yeah i mean like i personally think like even like they do have them available. It's just, are you willing to go, like, I guess, from a couple miles? I know, like, I'm not sure, not- like, the situation everywhere and where it's at now, but I've heard stories of there's been problems with testing in certain areas and it's been more scarce in, in certain regions than others. See, I think I definitely, like, there's definitely, like, each company is very different. With that being said, um, I'm thinking of, of it as a Bay Area point of view. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it not from centered per- to, to where I'm at. I'm just trying to say, like, if they live in an area where that is the scenario, is that justified for him to feel that way? No, I mean, I still don't think so because I think, like, the girl has ever. Because I think he should respect her wishes and get tested if that's the case. Yeah. And, like, yes, I think you should get tested if you can. But also, like, maybe it it is a risk assessment, whether you are lower or high risk exposure, whether you should get tested or not, especially if you're in an area where testing is less of an available service than others. I mean, I'm all for, like, he should get tested, whether or not, like, he, like, he has no excuse um, in terms of, like, like, oh, I'd rather utilize that service for other people, like other essential workers. I don't, ex- I personally don't um, accept that as one of his like excuses in the sense. And maybe he's from a different area and maybe he's from like Chicago where testing sites are very scarce and, you know, resources aren't that the best there. And it's like, you're putting them at risk 
for going to these testing sites and stuff like that. I personally think like, you know, um, it's worth it in that aspect. And even though he might think like, oh, I've been self-quarantining and stuff like that you're still going out to get groceries and stuff like that. And there's so many different factors in terms of, you know, how COVID goes about Mm -hmm. Um, and just making sure you have that precaution and reassurance to like gauge like, Oh, I have this, I have had taken a test and I have that reassurance and that just like reassures like, hey, even though I'm utilizing the service, I'm giving I'm getting a sense of comfort and I'm also getting a sense of like Yeah, reassurance. I see that. Like I, I, I obviously understand like everybody should get tested if they can. But what I'm trying to say is like, yes, in an ideal world everybody should get tested. But the the situation is it's not always widely available to everybody. So then is that in that case is that a valid justification i mean because in an ideal world everybody would get tested and that would be great but like especially with the the government in play like testing isn't always a widely available thing for everybody what so what are you asking so like if that's like if that's the situation and that's what he's saying is that justifiable anyway because i think it's obvious that testing should be done and if people can easily access it then they should get it done. But then that's not always the case for everybody. So if that's a situation, is it justified? Or if, let's say, it's not, like, if it's in Wisconsin or something. I mean, we don't have to put a name to the region. I just just need to know. Just say he's, like, just say he's in an area where it's just not widely available. And just, like, from his knowledge, it's pretty, he's been pretty low risk exposure. And it's just like, he thinks, okay, well, I'm pretty low risk exposure. Testing is not really easily accessible in my region. So I don't feel the need to get tested. But then at the same time, I understand her demands for him to get tested. And he should respect that. But it's just like, I don't necessarily think that everybody can get tested in the scenario that we're in, because that just hasn't really been the case. And it just hasn't been widely available to everybody. I mean, I I think it's not justifiable. I I'm just gonna leave that at that. For but just me, what about like availability? Because it's just like literally there are some regions that just don't have it readily available. Well, I mean, one, he knows what he, he's doing. He's he wants. I didn't read the chat. To, I don't know. I mean, okay, but I'm just saying, like, if somebody just doesn't have that available to them, you can't really fault them. You know what I'm saying? I know, but like, if he suggests to an indoor date he he should make the trip whether like no matter how far no matter where it is like he he's he's expecting sex i'm just gonna i'm pretty sure you know maybe like you know that was the objective i mean i just wouldn't but i'm just trying to like maybe give perspective on the availability of testing in certain areas and it's just not really as available to everybody i personally don't I don't justify it. If I may, I think I could be a happy mediator because okay, I think I fall in a little in between of you both. Because um, like I think everybody should get tested, but like literally some people just can't. It's just no, not I totally, I totally agree. There are there are cases for for starters. Um, I think they should think about the public and 
you you gotta kind of keep your dating life on hold like those zoom calls facetime yeah. whatever they yeah, should be and I'm, I'm an advocate of social distance dating and just keep doing that yeah. and like you know there's other ways if people are comfortable y'all can y- y- there aka Dungeon cat released a, co- a song called cyber sex so that's a thing <laughs> if you guys want to partake in that that's a thing but like I, I totally believe that people should maintain social distancing and maybe put a pause on typical dating. But, like, the part about the testing is, like, I want to emphasize that, like, not everybody. No, I totally agree. What I was going to say is that, like, um, even I know I know instances of people who are asymptomatic, they actually, from their insurance providers, aren't given um, the, the go-ahead to get a COVID testing. So that, in that case... Especially if you're saying that you want to go meet up this random girl, they're not going to give it to you because of that. Yeah. And the second thing would be that um, I know that there are free sites, at least in the Bay Area, but I also heard that they're in talks of like, they ask if you're insured or not insured. And that scares away some part of the population of the uninsured people because they would think they think that there's some sort of consequence, like the government will you know, record this There's data. There's like undocumented people that feel scared of even going to places like that. Right. So that's why I was just like, I wanted to bring awareness that it's like, yes, in an ideal world, everybody it has easy, easy access to testing. But I just wanted to provide a perspective in which it may not be easy for everybody to do so. Not necessarily supporting this guy fully. I, I believe people should just keep social distancing regardless. But I just wanted to give some perspective in which it's not always available based on people's insurance and whatever status they are. Going off of what Nell said, I totally agree that this man would be, he, he's fishing. He, you know, he wants, he wants to, to get laid for sure. And he's doing the minimal amount of effort for something that is very risky, especially during this time of the year, time of the year. We're in a, this time of the whole pandemic scale timeline um priorities should definitely lie elsewhere i get him trying to be you know worldly and like oh there's essential workers and stuff but you get your mind out of the gutter we have so much more important like things instead of you spreading it because um that person spreading it it's so much easier for it to be spread it's not like a one-to-one ratio Yeah. At that point, just don't meet up if you really don't want to get tested. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they shouldn't be meeting up in the first place. You know, they have different morals. Like, you can, just from that, just like, oh, you should get tested. Oh, I'm starkly against it. Two different people. Like, I don't even know if that's going to fit. I don't even know. I don't know. I feel like in the midst of a pandemic, the whole dating thing is just like, I understand if that's on hold. Like, I don't, I don't see the push for wanting to meet indoors. We know what that means. But, um, yeah, I don't really see the push for that. And if they do, yes, get tested before. Where can you meet indoors? What is open? No, he, they're, they're going to each other's houses, Karen. Hint, hint, oh, no. no. Yeah. Oh, no, this is so wrong. And so, because, like, you're exposing the other people and, you know, even just being in someone else's house, there's so, like right. There's so much going on. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. But I like, I, I I know people are hooking up in the midst of COVID. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. The Rona. Like, you guys, why can't we just have 
um, Love from a Distance. Isn't like that, you know that, like, rom-com with the people where they're, like, six feet apart? Why can't we just do that? Oh, with, uh, with Dylan Sprouse? Was it Dylan or Cole? Uh, one of the Sprouse people. Yeah, the one with the Sprouse. Like, we can just keep doing that. Why can't we just do a rom-com like that? I think that would be fun. I mean, there but, there is basically that, or a reality show, really. Yeah, with, like, Hulu. Fun and topical i think and then you can tell your children if you met that way like <laughs> is Funny the me. bachelor uh social distance or, or did they record it a long time ago zooming because i saw a trailer i don't really know the details but maybe they did a whole thing where they got tested and they have to quarantine wild i don't think it's okay because i feel like that's kind of a, a waste of time and everything to have people do that as yeah. somebody who does enjoy some Bachelor content as a guilty pleasure, I don't know if it's necessarily worth it for them to do that, but okay. I agree. That money should be put elsewhere. Like I mean, it's, also, it's also like Love Island. I think they're doing it right now. No, re- really? Like the US or the, the UK? I guess it doesn't matter, but I'm like serious. Interesting. Oh, no, the US one. US one. Dude, people are really out here. I, you know what happened? I bet we all consumed the TV. There's no more. We need, we need fresh content. That's what's happening. Yeah. I mean, we just need to stop the Rona. That's ultimately what we need to do. Yeah. Like, we gotta, we gotta work on this because apparently, you know, 2021's creeping up on us. I like how have y'all seen the meme where it's like oh um have y'all seen the meme where it's like um people think it's gonna be like after December thirty first, they think that the Rona automatically like is gone when they yeah, right? they're like, Oh, I can't wait for twenty twenty to be over. I'm like, Well, corona's not stopping for nobody. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious too. I was like, You you act like COVID has an expiration date. I was like, Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, I thought that was funny, too, because I was just like, yeah, 2020 is coming up. And I'm like, yeah, I was one of those people that, like, COVID is done after 2020. <laughs> it's a phase. Nah. Yeah. But-, but, yeah, going back to the prompt, yes, I believe the guy is just kind of making excuses to not get tested. And it's like, I don't think they should meet up in the first place. But if you're going to... Yes, both individuals should be tested, and I don't think there should be any ifs, ands, or buts about that. Also, please, like, honestly, like, I get y'all are trying to, you know, not let COVID affect your dating life, but, like, now is not the time. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, the rest of us are still lonely. You could stay lonely as well. Like, it's real, the dick appointment ain't that worth it. To catch, it really isn't to like, catch the rona like um yeah i will say there's a multitude of devices that will suit your needs in this time <laughs> beautifully said and consider that honestly they'll probably do a better job than whatever is gonna be service to you at said d appointment yes words of wisdom by cc yes also but- like there is no guarantee especially with these straight men that they showered beforehand Okay. Have, also, they that's a whole other thing to unpack, and I, I'm not sure if I didn't mean to open that. Yeah. 
but like yeah men are just mm, yeah another <laughs> on another segment of men are trash wipe please wipe after using the restroom just just a psa real quick wait i feel like we talked about this in f1 i'm getting yeah. like deja vu I mean, I feel like we've we've preached about male cleanliness many a time, and I feel like it's a point that bears repeating. Yeah. No, no, I totally agree. I just, I just got this moment of flashback. I was like, "Whoa, weird." Yeah. Oh yeah. Ten episodes back. Guys don't wash their hands or. Oh yes, that's what it was. Yes, yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Please be clean. Please don't risk yourself to COVID. Get tested if you're gonna you know risk and, it all for the yeah for consider a, the risk especially if it's likely to be a mediocre dick appointment yeah maybe it's not worth it yeah <laughs> don't risk yourself don't risk your family don't risk the public and think wisely before you do anything yes that's okay. a risk benefit assessment and please use your logic yes and i guess that concludes my segment we're gonna jump into hot takes is that all right with everyone Yes, let's go. Cool, cool, cool. So, if y'all don't mind, I finally, for my hot take, I finally got Animal Crossings. I don't know if I told y'all this, but <gasps> I got it at a bargain. So, I got it for that $30. So, basically half price, and I'm, like, beautiful, you know, my myself. I'm just, like, thinking of how much of a good deal I got. <gasps> and completely, it's it's a completely new game, so I was really stoked about that. But this wouldn't be a hot take if that was it. Uh, My hot take is that Animal Crossings, they try to keep you addicted. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, you're supposed to, what is it, like, visit the game, like, every day or something. So you can trade your your fruit or, like, then you're able to visit other friends. And I just feel like they really try to consume your time. And I don't know how I feel about that. They really, especially, like, they... Nintendo is also making you buy the Nintendo Switch online membership thing. There's just a lot mm-hmm. going on. Nintendo is sucking up your time. And Nintendo, if you wanted a million chance of hearing this, I would love to hear you as a sponsor. But basically what I'm saying is you're doing too good of a job and it's not healthy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Nintendo, we love you. Sponsor us. I love the Game Boy. I love the Nintendo 64. Come at me. Um, <laughs> I want to switch. I really want to join the Animal Crossing era. What did you name your island? Um, I haven't decided yet. Slash, I don't want to expose myself. Oh, okay. Oh, you're <laughs> right. Okay. I didn't know that, that was a thing. that people. I think could... islands are public. I want to really? say. I'm not too sure. If we all get switches, I'm going to ransack your islands. Just letting you know. She's already asserted multiple times that she's going to create a terrorist group <laughs> from her Animal Crossing village. Yes. Too much. I had a good plan. I would share my Animal Crossing plan, but I don't want to expose my island like I feel that. like you've said that already, what your plan is already on this podcast. Yes, I think so but, too. Yeah. I- what if I just don't tell you what my island is and I just exist in silence? Honestly, I might find it. In bliss, you mean CC. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I want Animal Crossing as well. How do, you, how do you like it? Do you like it more than, like, any other games you have? What kind of games are there for the Nintendo Switch? I don't know. Um, there's, your, there's your Smash, you know. Mario Party? 
Yeah, Mario Party, Mario Kart, all that good jazz. Um, I don't particularly play too much on it. I play a lot of Tetris. So if y'all want to touch, challenge me in Tetris, let's I already go. won you so many times in Tetris. Okay, now. okay. We're like 50-50. Nal is like one of the few competitors who will who will stand to defy me. That's in a hot Tetris? take in itself. In Tetris. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Do you have any, any I guess, thoughts about uh, Kilo's hot take, Cece? No, I'm just here for Animal Crossing. I love <laughs> having fun with the cute little animals. That's really all I have. No thoughts had anything. <laughs> Wait, you have Animal Crossing? Or are you just like the cute animals? I mean, uh, I had Animal Crossing on pretty much every other device, but I don't have a Switch. Oh, I got you. I got you. Tom Nook, be a greedy son of a gun. Honestly, he's a better landlord than most. <laughs> I just know he wants to steal my bell, so I'm like, I'm not here for that. Go away. Isn't there one called KK Slider? I don't know KK Slider. You don't know KK Slider? The little dog that plays the guitar. I just started, like, yesterday, so I'm not too sure. Oh. You're not in tune with the culture, the community. Yes. I'm trying to breach it. We'll see what happens. But, um, what are y'all's hot takes? Well, my hot take this week, um, I, uh, this is a word of advice for not only myself, but to, you know, my ladies out there, um, shoot your shot, dude. Um, I am in the process of trying to shoot my shot before I say goodbye to a very, very attractive coworker, um, HR cover ears, um, um, but yeah, I'm trying to shoot my shot, but it's hard, I will say. And I think I just need that reassurance from everyone. Or like, you know, I need my girlies to be like, yeah, shoot your shot. You have nothing to lose. You're leaving anyways. Um, but uh, there's that oh, there's that factor of like HR. Is he single? Is he not single? Is like, it, does he think I'm attractive? Does he not think I'm attractive? But also like there's a... There's a, I will say, a difference in power within the workforce. So there's a lot of factors that are making me not want to shoot my shot. But this is advice to myself that I need to shoot my shot because I have nothing to lose. And also, um, I need to gain the confidence that I need. So I hope everyone that is listening, if you are thinking or you, I want to inspire you to shoot your shot no matter what but also safely in the times of corona but yes um i just yeah now you put it out there you're gonna manifest it i suppose your hot take is very more so towards yourself and i i commend you for that thanks yeah this keep is... us updated mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm, i mean i i don't want to <laughs> i mean you already put it out on the pod so yeah stays on the pod continues you need to give us updates uh, i hope Wish me luck, everyone. Please, when this episode's go out. Send positive vibes. Nell's way. Yeah. But yeah, that's my hot take. Delightful. Thank you for sharing. So my hot take, I feel like, like most of my hot takes, tends to be more on the ranty side. So here goes. So to kind of, like, tie it in with today's topic, we kind of talked about, like, Jessica Krug and, like, college campuses. So 
with that, my hot take is I kind of want to live in the delusions of Fox News in which they fearmonger people into believing college campuses are these like far left SJW super progressive environments that they tend to scare people into thinking, oh, if you send your kids to college, you're going to get brainwashed into the left agenda when that's like simply not true. And I feel like they exaggerate that very much. And to just preface, like, I do think that college campuses are a place that does encourage a little bit more discourse and tends to lean more left than most communities, but it's not nearly to the standard that Fox News would like to let you believe. Honestly, if you ask the standard college student on campus what their thoughts are on foreign policy and social justice issues, I guarantee you a lot of them don't have a thoughtful answer. They're just looking for when they can go get Starbucks and when they're going to afford their next Patagonia or whatever <laughs> stereotype you want to put on them. Because I feel like most college students, they care to an extent, but more so on a performative level. Because I think most of them understand like, yeah, women's rights is a thing and racism is bad. But I don't think most college students actively engage in conversations and extend their thought further from that. And they don't really actively engage in advocating for social justice issues as one would like to believe. I feel like a lot of times colleges are an institution like any other. So they're there to essentially push people into becoming the next workforce, not really encourage them for free thought and wanting to dismantle these institutions. So at the end of the day, a lot of college students are just there because they're like, oh, I need a degree to get a job that will make me money. And they don't genuinely care about issues of social justice as much as people would like to believe. And I feel like if you've been on a college campus, and I don't know if um, Nell and Kilo can back me up here, I feel like you kind of have to actively seek out those communities on campus. Like they might be a loud minority, but they only represent, I would say, a, like a small percentage of campus in terms of the campus community. Cause like, oh, we have like a large Greek community and like other cultural communities. But like, you tend to see that like, even though we'd like to think college is a place for people to expand their views, a lot of people just kind of exist in the similar communities they've always existed in. So it's just like, yeah, if you're part of a cultural community, you tend to stick to members of your cultural community, you know, if you're more of like that popular social person in school, you tend to gravitate towards Greek life. So I feel like very much like we tend to idealize college campuses as these spaces for free thought, but it really isn't it. And I really hope that people would encourage more free discourse. But again, colleges are an institution like many and still uphold different bel beliefs that will basically bar certain groups from having certain access to things. So Fox News, I mean, what's up with that? Y'all are really preaching the utopia, even <laughs> though you're trying to fear among your people, but it's really not the truth. Uh, I'm trying to see what y'all are talking about because I've been on the college campus for four years and I'm not seeing what they're, they're putting out there. I don't know if, I don't know if the audience can back me up here. <laughs> I honestly, I, I completely agree. College campuses are not, like trying to brainwash anyone I don't think so when you know I was in college we went to we all went to the same college I don't know what I'm talking about 
when I was on campus, I mean, it wasn't really, like, always in my face. You know what I mean? Like, as Cece said, you got to actively, like, seek out um, these, I guess you can say, resources. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the the fact that, like, I mean, first of all, Fox News is just fake in general. No one, no one use, no one checks Fox, Fox People News. do. That's why we have the president we do now. I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> There's, there's too many for our comfort that believes in Fox News, so that's why I had to throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's a that's a whole separate the unfortunate of... reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the unfortunate reality that America is not as bright as I think it is. But yeah, I would like to say like I probably only have one professor out of my four years of college that maybe held more radical views that I knew overtly out of mm-hmm. all the professors I've had. So that doesn't really attest to much about, about these far-left liberal brainwashing that Fox News would like you to believe. Honestly, especially in STEM, I feel like they're just like, we don't give a shit. We're not talking about social justice. Uh, take your exam. Honestly, yeah. It's just a grind. You're like, there's no, there's nothing in that textbook that goes, yeah, evolution, not a thing. You're, you're like, you're already there to study, like, evolution occurred now figure out a way that this tree is closer to whatever tree or whatever like no time yeah so that's why i'm just like hey fox news honestly don't threaten me with a good time because i'm not seeing it (laughs) so that's really just what i have to say about that honestly fox news you really are putting out the fake news but honestly it sounds like a good time to me even though it's far from our reality but Fox News may not be a good source, but you know what is a good source? Checking out our updates on our Instagram. (laughs) We tend to, like, update our news topics that we discuss on our episodes, on our stories. So if you would follow us on at Subtle Asian Talks, that would be great. We share a lot of good resources for you to stay updated on the topics we talk about and maybe give you a little bit more food for thought. And on top of that, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you're liking what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. And I hope everybody continues to stay safe, as we've been saying, and date responsibly, do whatever you need to do responsibly with keeping COVID in mind. So I hope everybody stays safe and well, and I hope you guys enjoy and tune in next time. Yes. Yeah. Hey, let's start. That subtle plug was beautiful. I just want to drop that before we leave. I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, that was so good. Honestly, was- I try. It was, it was in the brain. I had to, I had to work it. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> All right. Uh, see you next time. Okay. Right, bye, bye, everyone. Bye.